If you're ever feeling worthless and without purpose in the year 2021, just remember that the NBA has divisions. There's an example of something that's much, much, much more worthless than you and I could ever be. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, I got to be honest to start the show tonight. I am uh, I'm getting really sick and tired of, of trying to organize the Wisco Sports Show. Try to write notes. Try to uh, prepare a show while there's some insane current event going on. Like this is, this is quite exhausting. I'm sure you feel the same way, right? If you were at work today or maybe you were at home trying to get some things done. How are we supposed to be productive as a society? As a country? <laughs> Are we supposed to get anything done? 2020, I thought we uh, thought we left the stuff behind. These these current events that force us all to just stand around and watch the TV. Like why? I just want to talk about the Packers. That's all I want to. That's all I want to do. That's all I ever asked for. It was just two hours to talk about the Packers. Come on, it's been a stressful day, and I hope you're managing. I hope you're getting through it. I'm trying to keep up with current events as well and what's going on at the. Uh, the Capitol in Washington, D.C. And no, I'm not talking about the uh, Washington Wizards or the Washington football team. The, the football team does play this weekend, though. No, I'm sure you've seen what's going on today. So it's been a heck of a distraction today. So maybe that got you through your workday or maybe it made your workday miserable. I think maybe for me it was a little bit of both. Um, but I just I just want to talk about the Packers. I'm sick of dealing with these crazy current events. I'm running out of energy. I'm running out of patience for this stuff. I want to talk about the offensive line. I want to talk about safety play and pro football focus grades. Not some Senate runoff or a bunch of people taking over the Capitol. I didn't sign up for this. I just want to talk about the Packers. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. What day is it even today? Wednesday. I I hope you're having a good day. As good as it can be. Uh, And I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad we can now talk about Wisconsin sports and hopefully just relax. Uh, and just chill out for two hours. I would love for you to be a part of the show today. Um, there's a lot of space in today's show. I do a lot, a lot of talking on the show. I share a lot of my opinions. Um, I, today, I'm, I'm a little bit lighter. I don't, I don't have anything to preach about. I don't have anything to yell about. So I would love to hear from you today. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. And you can also tweet at me at Wisco Grant if you would like. If you feel... Uh, if you feel like uh, like you don't have a lot of stress and you're doing pretty good right now, well, don't tweet at me. Don't go on Twitter. Just just call or text. But if you're on Twitter, you can tweet at me. As Big Joe already has, Big Joe, nice to hear from you. Yes, let's talk sports and forget about life for a while. Wisco Grant, you can find me on Twitter. That is, uh, that is my handle. Talk a lot about the Packers today. The NFC's number one overall seed. I want to talk a little bit about the Badgers as well. I want to talk about our, our good friend, Leroy Butler. Leroy Butler, who's been on the show a couple of times in the last year, especially when things were shut down. We are just BSing about the Packers with Leroy Butler this summer. It was a blast. Uh, he is releasing his own signature vodka, interestingly enough, and he's actually going to be on the show next week to talk a little bit about that, and hopefully I can get his insight on the playoffs as well. A player who had some, some pretty good playoff moments as a member of the Green Bay Packers. So we'll talk to him next week. He was also announced as a finalist for the 2021 NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't know if I said that in the right order. Hall of Fame class in 2021, the NFL. Yeah, that, that. He is a finalist for that. We'll talk about the rest of the class and maybe Leroy's chances on getting in. I also want to talk about Adrian Amos today. 
And I want to talk about the Bucks for Slow News Wednesday coming up at 5.30. That's on my to-do list. If you have anything you'd like to add, uh, any topic, any story that you want to throw on uh, today's rundown, just text it to me, 608-796-2558. Yesterday, we started putting together a to-do list. Things that we need to talk about before the divisional round. Because the way I see it, we have today, tomorrow, Friday, so three days left this week, and five days next week to get completely prepared, to get our ducks in a row, to get everything figured out. We, we got to solve all of the Packers' issues in the next week and a half. We got to do all of our, uh, our prep work, our previewing, our scouting reports, all that stuff. We have a week and a half to get that done because the Packers don't play this weekend. They have a first-round bye. So I've been working on my to-do list of things that I know I want to talk about in the next week and a half. Now, if there's something you would like to add to that list, as I talked about yesterday, please hit me up and, and we'll get to it in the next week and a half. Whatever you want to talk about, I I want to talk about. I want to share this Packers playoff run with you. I don't want to just talk about my opinions and yell into a microphone every day, right? As, as a Packers fan base, this is a special year and hopefully is going to be a special run in the postseason if all goes well, hopefully. And that's something we should be able to share together shouldn't just be about me and what I think. So whatever you want to talk about, I want to talk about. And we started to put our list together yesterday for the next week and a half. We, I think we touched briefly on the offensive line. We talked about Kevin King. Uh, we talked about all these different interesting topics. MVS, of course. Can't go a show talking about the Packers without talking about MVS. We have a lot to get to before the Packers play again. But there's one thing that I can't stop thinking about. And trust me, I have tried. I have tried. I've tried. I've prayed. I have wished. I just I want this off of my mind, but I can't stop thinking about the Packers special teams. This may seem so insignificant in the grand scheme of things in a season that was a record setting season for Aaron Rodgers and for Devontae Adams. Another tremendous season for Aaron Jones, a a breakout season for Robert Tunyon, Matt LaFleur going 13 and three again, and the Packers getting a first round bye. like there's a lot of good to talk about a lot of big stories, players. This Packers team has been a joy to talk about. And special teams might seem insignificant in the grand scheme of things, right? Special teams might seem insignificant to all of those different stories and players that I just mentioned. And special teams, I think, are insignificant to an extent in the regular season. Typically, over the course of 16 or 17 games, you're not going to lose a game because of special teams. I mean, maybe, but typically not more than one. Maybe you go 11 and 5 instead of 12 and 4. Maybe. I think that's the biggest impact that special teams can have on a regular season because you're playing so many teams. The Packers, for example, they're playing so many teams that are under 500. The Vikings, the Lions, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Carolina. Special teams aren't going to lose you one of those games. Right now, special teams might lose you a game against Indy or when they played Tampa earlier this year. Might might even lose you a game against the Bears. Ah, Okay, never mind. The Packers are never going to lose to the Bears. But you get my point. When you start playing teams that are above 500, teams with a good quarterback, good head coach, good defense, good running game, a complete competitive team, then special teams can get you beat. In fact, special teams very often get teams beat against other good teams. Think about the Los Angeles Rams a couple of years ago when they went on their Super Bowl run. They were so damn good on special teams. Johnny Hecker was a weapon the way he could flip the field. Their punter. Really, really, really valuable. Right And Zerline, when he was in his prime, prime Zerline, right? he was a weapon for the Rams as well. And they were creative with what they could do in, in punt formations and kickoff formations and, and field goals and, and things like that. That Rams team was uh, benefited greatly by their elite special teams. right? The Patriots, for the longest time, had really good special teams because they're buttoned up. right? And they had players like Matthew Slater 
who are really, really good on special teams. Good teams are buttoned up. Good teams don't lose games because of onside kicks. <clears throat> the Atlanta Falcons or <clears throat> the 2014 Green Bay Packers. Good teams don't lose games because they can't keep a kickoff in bounds or they can't tackle a punt returner. That's not something that good teams do, and the Packers have struggled with their special teams a little bit this year. Over the last couple of weeks, the Packers have had a blocked field goal, a, uh, a punt return touchdown, an almost blocked punt. They fumbled a punt return on Sunday against the Bears. It's been a different issue every single week. Every week, it's something different. And that's how you know it's bad. I, I said this yesterday, and I don't want to be redundant, but I want to hammer this home. You know special teams are bad when a different issue is popping up every single week. This week, it's the punt coverage. This week, it's the punt return team. This week, it's the kickoff. Now, it's the field goal unit. It's something different every week, and that's how you know it's bad. Bad, like in 2014, when the Packers were up 19-7 to in the NFC title game, and they lost a game by botching an onside kick, failing to cover a two-point conversion, and giving up a fake field goal for a touchdown. That's how you can lose a game. That's how you can get beat by a good team in a very important game because of special teams. Now, you compare that 2014 team to, say, the Packers in 1997, when Desmond Howard won Super Bowl MVP with 244 all-purpose yards. Between kickoff returns and punt returns, Desmond Howard completely dictated that game. Brett Favre was, was, pretty, was pretty good. He made some big throws. The, the big passes, the big plays were the difference maker in that game. But by and large, the Packers' offense struggled at times. The Patriots struggled at times. The difference was a couple of deep shots from Brett Favre and Desmond Howard flipping field position and scoring through special teams. Special teams can be the difference against good teams and in big, big games and big moments in the playoffs. Now, I don't know how the Packers fix their special teams. I was kicking around some ideas today. I even asked some coworkers, I'm like, hey, what do you think? Because sometimes a different perspective can really be helpful. You know, I, I can... Think about the Packers special teams for three hours straight. I could sit in my bedroom with the lights off in the dark and just think about the special teams. How can we fix this? How do they get better? And then I ask another person, they're like, well, do you think about this? Brand new perspective, right? And I asked a, a couple of coworkers today, and I think they had some interesting ideas, and I want to share a couple of you with them. Now, I don't know what goes into special teams, improving special teams. I don't know what, what goes into special teams being, well, terrible as the Packers are right now. I don't know if it's coaching, that's one angle to approach it from, I guess. I don't know much about Sean Menenga. When he was hired, I think we all went and looked at his background. Did he come from Vanderbilt or some? I don't I don't remember. It's not that important. I Sean Menenga falls in the same basket as Sean Slocum and then Ron Zook. Like, doesn't this year feel familiar? We did this in 2014. I remember specifically. I remember this specifically. I was riding in, would it have been... I think I was riding in my mom's minivan with my dad. And it was deer hunting weekend. It was deer hunting weekend. And we were taking our deer uh, to a, a farmer friend that we had down the highway. And he would always, you know, chop up the deer and make us some nice little steaks and, you know, some, some ground venison. Delicious, right? And I remember this clear as day. We had the trailer behind the minivan because we didn't have a truck. This is kind of funny. We hunted out of a minivan for the longest time. We were driving to our farmer friend's place. And I remember... The Packers radio network was on the radio. And all I remember hearing about was Sean Slocum this, Sean Slocum that, Sean Slocum, Sean Slocum. Again, special teams, they stink. Packers special teams stink. And Sean Slocum is to blame. I remember this, I, I remember this clearly. So, so clear. What was this, seven years ago now? This moment, this afternoon, in my mom's minivan, 
listening to Greg Matzik talk about Sean Slocum. And then they fire Sean Slocum at the end of the year. And what do they do? Then they hire Ron Zook. And then we spend a couple of years complaining about Ron Zook and complaining about his special teams. Here's what I think. Firing is not the answer, right? Hiring is the answer, not firing. The the Packers special teams is not going to improve because they fire Sean Menenga. It's going to improve because they hire someone better or they bring somebody on to Sean Menenga's staff who can really help. I talked to a coworker today who was like, what do you think Jared Bush is doing? Remember Jared Bush? was a Packers uh, reserve cornerback and special teamer. Why not bring in a guy like him? Seems to be really well liked with the Packers bringing a guy like Jared Bush or Chris Banjo. Bring back one of those special teams lifers to be part of the coaching staff. Maybe that would help. I don't think that this is solved by just simply firing Sean Menenga. I think you got to hire someone or bring somebody in that's a plus. You can't just get rid of a guy. You got to find somebody better. So I don't know what they do with coaching. This feels very similar to 2014 with Sean Slocum and then two years ago with, with Ron Zook. Maybe it's not all about coaching. Maybe it's about execution. Right, coaches say this all the time in postgame pressers. Matt Lafleur has done this a lot over the last two years. He'll be like, "Oh no, you know, it's it's nothing to do with me. It's all about the players executing and and making plays." Right? They got to go out there and execute, and they did today, and that's why we won. Right? And we hear that logic all the time. And yet, when the team plays bad, it's it's the coach's fault, not the players, which is which is funny. When a team plays poorly, coach takes all the blame. When a team plays well, the coach is like, "Well, those guys went out and executed. More power to them." Right? If execution is the issue. You'd hope that's something they could work on during the bye week. You just got to be better at blocking this guy. You just got to be better at maintaining your lane on kickoff coverage. You got to be better at not committing penalties, right? That, that's, that can be worked on. That can be tweaked through coaching and through repetition and through practice. I think the best case scenario for the Packers special teams moving forward is that they just they get buttoned up and, and have more of an attention to detail and they just do a better job. And it's not some systemic coaching issue or a systemic personnel issue like but let's talk about personnel this is the most tricky one because I don't know what makes a good special teams player I would love to sit down and and talk to a football coach for an hour and ask them all about special teams because it's hard for me to learn about special teams nobody cuts up film of special teams and writes blogs about it right that's not what you see on on get up on ESPN that's not what you see on TV nobody's breaking down special teams what makes a good special teams player is it speed strength smarts Right, that that think of some of the best special teamers in the NFL and with the Packers. Right, I think of Matthew Slater with the Patriots and Chris Banjo, who was with the Packers, and I think he went to New Orleans. He might actually still be there. Jarrett Bush, who was a, a contributor in 2010 when the Packers won the Super Bowl, backup cornerback and, and special teamers. Hell, Jeff Janis was a really really good special teamer. The Packers should have kept Jeff Janis around, not to be a wide receiver, but just to be a gunner. I follow Jeff Janis on Instagram. He's just. He's just bow hunting these days. He bow hunted in Buffalo County just a couple of months ago. Let's get Jeff Janis down. He can be a punt gunner, kickoff return guy. I, I think the problem is sometimes with with special teams is we think that they also have to be a good wide receiver or they also have to be a good linebacker. No, I'm, I'm okay with having a couple of guys on the roster who are just there for special teams. Sure, they can be an emergency backup at another position, but if you want to get better at special teams, maybe you have to specifically tailor some additions some personnel changes to fixing your special teams. Just something to something to think about. I don't bring this up because I love special teams. I have no passion for field goals and punts, but I bring it up because I'm scared it'll cost the Packers a game. And I know some of you feel the same way because I've gotten texts that say exactly that over the last couple of days on the talk and text line. Let's take a break. I want to continue to talk about the defense and a player who we've mentioned a lot, but we haven't really talked about at length. That's Adrian Amos. We'll talk about Adrian Amos and hear just a tiny bit from Mike Pettin. He had some nice things to say about the Packers' safety. That's coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. 
Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host, and thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for being here to talk Wisconsin sports. I hope we can take a, a little bit of a break from real life. Today was uh, today was very stressful. I'm getting sick of having to uh, plan the Wisco Sports Show while also having to keep up with crazy current events. Feels like this has happened way too many times in the last year where it's like, well, I'm writing about Packers specialty. Oh my God, what happened? And now I'm watching TV at work for 20 minutes at a time. I just want to talk about the Packers. That's all I That's all I want to do. 608-796-2558. A couple of texts coming in. Mike, appreciate you reaching out. He says, do we play the winner of Washington, Tampa Bay, or the lowest remaining seed? Always, always, always the lowest remaining seed. Always. So it's not that way in the NBA. The NBA is a straight bracket. The NFL basically reseeds the playoffs after every round. So lowest seed remaining. So if the Bears win, the Packers will play the Bears no matter what. For example, because they're the the seventh seed. Good question, Mike. Appreciate you being a part of the show. Uh, Tank, our friend from Coon Valley, reaching out and and answering my question about what makes a good special teams player. Uh, He says discipline, speed, and tackling in that order. Recipe to success on special teams. Hmm. Well, damn. Does anyone object? Is anyone okay? There we go. The new rules of the Wisco Sports Show for special teams: discipline, speed, and tackling. Makes sense to me. I appreciate your text, Tank. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Um, it's funny. The Packers' offense has been great all year, like they, uh, except for maybe the Tampa Bay game. They had a stinker, but other than that, they, they had at least a great moment or a great stretch in every single game. This Packers' offense is more consistent and and uh, and more productive this year than I don't know since twenty. 2014, 2011, Aaron Rodgers had his best season since 2011. And unlike the offense, the defense and special teams just kind of took turns this year. Like both were not good at once. If the defense was good in a game, then the special teams were bad and vice versa. And it made me think of the Badgers football team a little bit because in their final couple of games, Badgers football, whenever their their offense could score, which is few and far between, then the defense would give up a score. And it's like, well, it's like we were never coming out ahead. Because even when the Badgers' defense was getting stops, well, then the offense would shut off. And when the, the offense could find a way, by the grace of God, to go score some points, well, now the defense, you know, lets up a score. And it was exhausting. It kind of feels like the same way with the defense and the special teams of the Packers. Like trying to keep two dogs in a bathtub. As soon as you get one figured out, the other one slips away. And since we talked about special teams to start the show, I feel like we should talk about the defense uh, a little bit. We talked about Jair Alexander and, and Kevin King yesterday. What about Adrian Amos? Let's talk about Adrian Amos. He is playing so well. Adrian Adrian Amos is playing so well. And it's even more amazing and it's even more fun to watch because consider where we were 10 weeks ago. 10 weeks ago, we thought that Darnell Savage was another ha-ha Clinton Dix. Oh, Packers going to have to draft another safety. Great. Thought Adrian Amos might be a cap casualty at the end of this year. Packers might cut him and move on to save money against the cap. Maybe same with Preston Smith. Probably not Zadarius Smith, but especially Preston Smith and and Adrian Amos. 10, 12 weeks later, Adrian Amos has been one of the best defenders in the NFL. In fact, Pro Football Focus had Adrian Amos graded as the highest player in the NFL on defense in Week 17. Adrian Amos graded out at 94.4, just ahead of Aaron Donald and just ahead of A.J. Brown. Excuse me, not just defensive players, but... All players. Adrian Amos was the best-ranked player by Pro Football Focus in the entire NFL in Week 17. And, of course, we talked about grades and, and statistics for both Savage and Amos. 
especially the second half of the season. They're, they're the two highest graded safeties from basically week nine to week 10 on Amos and Savage. And I got to give a lot of credit to Mike Pettin because Mike Pettin figured out how to use Savage and how to use Adrian Amos so they could both succeed, right? Like, it would, if, like I work at a radio station. We have top 40, we have country, we have a classic hit station, we have a rock station, news talk, and sports talk. There are six stations in our building. And I would, I would probably be okay on our rock station or on our classic hit station. Like, I would be fine. But I'm better when talking about sports or I'm better when I'm talking about top 40 music. And it's up to my boss, bosses, a couple of them, to figure out who is good at what and how to put them in a position to be their best. And, and football is kind of similar to real life in that regard. If you're a manager, you know what I'm talking about. All of your employees have different strengths and weaknesses. And Mike Patton has found a way to utilize Amos and utilize Savage so they can both be successful. Adrian Amos has been great around the line of scrimmage, and Darnell Savage has been really good in coverage, playing the ball. Although, got to give Darnell Savage credit. He shot the gap a couple of times on Sunday to make some good plays in the run game against the Bears, and that was exciting to see because I don't when was the last time a Packers safety did that. Amos and Savage are playing really, really well. Mike Patton today asked about the uh, improvement from both of his safeties throughout the season. He spoke on it for about a minute. This is actually very interesting. I give Mike give Mike Patton credit. For, you know, first and foremost, it's, a, it's those guys just getting a lot of repetitions together uh, and not having a you know an off season and, and, a, and a training camp. Uh, you know, a lot of those a lot of those really don't get that many that many live reps. Uh, and, and the safety position is so important that the uh, there needs to be great communication between the two of them. Uh, and they just have such a good feel for for what we're doing, you know, what our strengths are, kind of where they need to go. Just the whole, the whole just getting the feel and getting the experience in season. And, and I just think they've they've you know improved. Um, you know, these are guys that, that rarely repeat a mistake, which is which is a big thing in our room of you know don't be a repeat offender. And, and they do a great job of of uh, you know not not doing that. So. Um, you know, and Adrian's veteran presence, I'm sure, is just from a prep standpoint. I, I know has helped uh, Darnell, but I mean, these are these are the types of guys you love to coach. I mean, they they're, they're passionate. You can tell they love football. Uh, that you know, they ask great questions. They, you know, they they want to be great, uh, and they want to do everything they can to help us win. So, uh, you know, fortunately, they're it's a great example of, of guys that that have great preparation habits, great practice habits. Uh, you know, do everything you're supposed to do off the field, and and uh, and we get positive results. On, on I really liked what Patton had to say about not being a repeat offender, right? Don't make the same mistake twice because the NFL regular season is 16 games long, and I think the regular season in any sport, by the way, baseball, basketball, football, in a sense, the regular season is a time to get things figured out, to tweak, to learn, to get better. Right now, you don't want to lose games, especially in football, because there are so few of them. You don't want to lose games for the sake of learning and getting better. But over the course of the season, you should be getting smarter. You should be learning. And once you make one mistake, okay, identify it in film study that week, isolate it at practice, work on it, and don't make the same mistake again. Mike Patton mentioned that. We're going to hear just a tiny little bit from Adrian Amos coming up after 5 o'clock later on in the show. It's funny because Adrian Amos kept saying the same thing. You know, it's key. Don't make the same mistake twice. We don't want to be a repeat offender. That's at the heart of everything we do. This defense trending in the right direction, and it looks like Adrian Amos not going to be cut. As a cap casualty, maybe they'll extend him and save some money in the process. I'm interested to see the path that Adrian Amos goes after this season and beyond. 
Uh, coming up next, I want to continue our conversation about the Packers. Talk about some of these other NFC teams. Uh, NFC teams that I'm uh, I'm not sold on. They're all flawed, as we talked about yesterday. And we'll dig in more to that idea coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. show my name is grant bills i am your uh i'm your host i'm the ringleader of this two-hour circus in which we talk wisconsin sports every night glad you're here glad you're hanging out and i would love to hear from you today i said to start the show it has certainly been a hectic day a day that's been full of distractions and stress and i hope you're managing and if you're not you know what that's fine because i certainly am not i can't wait to go home and and probably Get right to bed. That's probably what I'm going to do tonight. I'm exhausted. Get home, make myself a nice little dinner, maybe watch a little NBA basketball and pass out. That's that's all I have left in the tank at this point. And it's only 4.30. Spent a lot of my day, I think, keeping up with the news, as I'm sure a lot of you did as well. Um, and I don't have anything too specific I want to yell about today or argue about today. Like some t- Yesterday, I turned on the mic to start the show, and I was like, here we go. Like, get get out of my way. I have some I have some things I want to say today, and y'all are going to listen. That's how I felt yesterday. Today, I don't really feel like that. Um, anything that you want to talk about and discuss, that's that's what I want to do. So let me know. 608-796-2558. It's the talk and text line. You can tweet at me as well, at Wisco Grant. I wouldn't recommend Twitter today. Uh, it's, it, is, it is all bad news. Um, but if you want to open up the Twitter app and send me a tweet and be part of the show, I would love that. Don't hang around. I wouldn't recommend that. Get off Twitter as soon as you can. But uh, one way you can get involved and, and interact with the show, I would love to hear from you today. We talked about this yesterday, the rest of the NFC, and the idea that it's a flawed conference. Well, there's no perfect team in the NFC. Every team is flawed, which is correct. I think every team in the NFC is flawed. It's just, it's just funny because I think every team in the league is flawed. I think every team in every league and every sport, like there's no, there are no perfect teams. The Kevin Durant Warriors were were close. Maybe that's the closest thing I've ever seen to a perfect team. We basically knew that team was going to win the finals. But even so, in the NFL, let's say you let's say you had a Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors uh, version in the NFL. Like, what would the comp be? I, I don't know. Maybe the 2008 Patriots that went sixteen and zero. Even that team's not a shoe in to win a championship because in the NFL, single elimination. You're not playing seven-game series. You're playing one playoff game. And if you lose, you're out. So even if you take some version of the Kevin Durant Warriors and you make that an NFL team, well, they're the best team. They might not be flawed, but they're not a shoe into a championship. They're not going to walk to a title like maybe we saw in the NBA because over a seven-game series, the better team is going to win. The better team will win in a seven-game series. Same with baseball. If the Brewers played the Dodgers on any given night, they could win. Remember Craig Council's first night as, as manager? I remember it like I remember my first Christmas. It's beautiful. Beating Clayton Kershaw. Now, if they were to play 10 times, Dodgers would probably win six, seven, eight games, depending on which version of the Brewers we're talking about, 2018, 2019, 2020. Baseball and NBA, you get to the postseason seven-game series, the best team is going to win. Football, not really the case. So I've I found it funny that really for this whole season, we've talked about the NFC. It's a flawed conference, and it is. But it, it's it's always 
It's always flawed. These teams are always flawed. There are no perfect teams in the NFL. That's why the NFL is so much fun. Any team can beat any given team on any given Sunday. How many times have you heard that, right? This weekend's matchups on Saturday. Gosh, it's a good slate of games. Colts and Bills at noon. Uh, Rams and Seahawks at 340. And then Buccaneers, Washington football team at 715. Okay, so that's Saturday. We'll get to Sunday in a moment. Can I, can I just vent about this for a sec? Colts and Bills, in my opinion, I think that's the best game of the day. If I were to rank these games and and which ones I'm interested most, Bills-Colts, because the Bills are in the playoffs, and that's awesome. Then Rams-Seahawks, because I think that could actually be competitive. And then Tampa Bay-Washington, because I don't think Washington can win, but Washington might, they might kill Tom Brady. Like, they seem pretty set on doing that. Chase Young does. So I I think I'm interested in these games in that order. Colts-Bills, Rams-Seahawks, Buccaneers, football team. Why? Why do we have the football team on NBC on primetime Again, why? Why can't we put that game at noon? I want to go ice fishing this weekend. And I'll get up early and I'll go, so I'll be done in time to watch games. But, like, why? why? <laughs> noon? Noon? The best game of the day is at noon? Hate that. What are, what are we doing? Why is the football team on at 7 at night again? I get it. It's Tom Brady. Yeah, but it's also the Washington football team. Okay, that's Saturday. I had to get that off my chest. Sunday, Ravens and Titans at noon. Bears Saints at 3:40 and Browns Steelers at 7:15. That's the night game, Sunday night football. So six games this weekend. The Packers aren't playing and neither are the Chiefs. And and I want to talk about this idea that every team in the NFC is is flawed. Let's talk about all the teams. We'll save the Packers for last. Let's talk about all these other teams. All of them are in action this weekend because there's only one bye. The Packers have it. Let's start with the Rams and the Seahawks. I think the Rams are flawed through their quarterback. Now, Jared Goff is a little banged up, so if Jared Goff doesn't play, obviously they have a huge quarterback issue. Jared Goff can be pretty good. He can be passable. He can be a Super Bowl quarterback. We saw that a couple of years ago. But they got to protect him, right? They cannot let the pass rush get to Jared Goff because if he's under pressure, if he has to improvise, if he has to... No, it's not It's not happening. He's not taking a team to the next level. He's not, he's not overcoming a bad offensive line. He's not overcoming a, a poor game plan. Jared Goff isn't going to do that. But... If Sean McVay is feeling it, which he will, their defensive coordinator will be feeling it. they got a good running game, good wide receivers that fit well with Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. Yards after the catch machines. Both are in the top 10 in the NFL in yards after the catch this year. If you can just protect Jared Goff, you'd probably be okay. Jared Goff's still not that good, but there's a, there's a decent path to success for the Rams. I think their fault and their flaw is probably just their quarterback. Be a little bit better at quarterback than Jared Goff. Now, the Seahawks are flawed as well. The Seahawks' defense isn't amazing, but then again, neither is neither is the Packers. It just depends on which version of a defense shows up. I do think the Packers have better defensive personnel than the Seahawks. I think their secondary is better, and their defensive line, and their pass rush is better. Now, linebackers, that's a little bit different. I, I think Seattle is flawed top to bottom. I just don't think they're as good of a team as we thought four or five weeks into the season. Because Russell Wilson started this season on a heater. He was so he was so good. He was so so good, and we all thought, "Oh my God, the Seahawks! Oh my God!" From Tommy Boy, they're sitting there. Oh my God! They, we were all terrified of the Seahawks. They finished the they started the year what four and 5 and zero, and we're like, "Oh my God, Russ is cooking." They figured it out. They're finally not going to run the ball every play, and then Russell Wilson cooled off a little bit. 
And and once Russell Wilson cooled off, the Seahawks team became a lot more of a 10 and 6 team than a 13 and 3 team. I, I think this Seattle team is very similar to the Packers team in 2016. When they went to the NFC Championship game, but it was by the hand of Aaron Rodgers and only Aaron Rodgers. Well, I guess in maybe Jared Cook. Right? Like Seattle's very similar to the 2016 Packers. And the 2016 Packers were good because Aaron Rodgers was great. I don't know if Russell Wilson has any great left in him. I think he might have burned it all up through four or five weeks at the beginning of the year. What about the other two teams? Tampa Bay, Washington. Both of these teams are flawed as well. Washington is... I I love Washington's defensive front. And I, I love Terry McLaurin. And I love Antonio Gibson. I, I think they they have some bright spots. And I, and I would certainly rather watch the, the football team than the Giants. Washington does have some exciting things. But they don't really have a quarterback. Alex Smith is a shell of a shell of himself. Right? He did take the Niners pert near to a Super Bowl. Uh, geez, a long time ago now. Like 10 or 11 or 12 years ago now. But he's not the same quarterback anymore. And Washington is... A defensive line that is probably going to need to get some fumbles, get a score maybe, in order to be competitive with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has an issue too, and I I think it's their quarterback. If you put pressure on Tom Brady, Tom Brady is Jared Goff. He's not, If he has to be put on the move, if he has to improvise, adapt, overcome anything, he's not, he's not that guy. And to be fair, he's never been that guy. But he certainly hasn't gotten more mobile and more athletic and more of a playmaker at age, like what is he, 48, 49 years old now? Tampa Bay and, and Los Angeles actually have very similar quarterback situations where they just need to protect their guy. If they protect their guy, they'll be pretty good. If not, could get ugly. Could be bad. Those are the Saturday games. The Sunday games, there's only two NFC teams at play. And for the sake of this conversation, we'll stick with the NFC because that's where the Packers play. And we're talking about flawed teams. The Bears and the Saints, I weirdly think, are, are very similar teams. I think, I think these two teams are very, very similar. I really like David Montgomery. Like, I really like Alvin Kamara. Allen Robinson and Michael Thomas. Really like both of those players as well. The Saints have some okay weapons behind Michael Thomas, and I think the Bears with Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller, those are, those are pretty good weapons. He could do worse. Problem is, Mitchell Trubisky can't manufacture big plays, and neither can Drew Brees. Drew Brees isn't pushing the ball down the field. Mitchell Trubisky isn't pushing the ball down the field, and the Saints won a lot of games this year, and the Bears managed to make the playoffs, but it's, it's really hard to win against good teams in the playoffs getting yards three or four at a time. You need you need to speed up the process. You need to be able to stretch a defense and create big plays. They don't have to be 60 yards down the field. You don't have to pass the ball 60 yards in the air, but you do need to find a way to pick up 10, 12, 15 yards at a time, and the Bears couldn't do that on Sunday. And I don't think the Saints are going to be able to do it either if a defense is able to defend Drew Brees correctly because Drew Brees ain't pushing the ball down the field, just like Mitchell Trubisky isn't. The Bears and the Saints, weirdly similar. Weirdly similar. Now, I think the Saints are better coached. They're going to be at home. Uh, their offensive line is better. But there are some similarities between the Bears and the Saints. Don't forget that. It is weird. It's why it's an intriguing matchup on Sunday. I'm very interested to watch the Bears and the Saints. I don't know if the game will be close. I don't know if it'll be entertaining. But I'm very interested to see this dynamic play out. Teams that are constructed very differently. We perceive them very differently. But their offense really isn't that much different. And I, I think that's fascinating. I'm really excited to watch. Now, the Packers, flaws. What's the flaws of the Packers? Um... Stopping the run, although the last two weeks they've shown that they've been able to hold their own. You know, give up yards three at a time, three yards per carry, and then you just know that Aaron Rodgers and the offense makes up for it on the other side. That's what they did against the Titans. That's what they did against the Bears. What is what is the Packers' flaw? They don't have a quarterback flaw. Not like Seattle, not like the Rams or the Buccaneers or 
the Bears are the Saints. No, they don't have a quarterback problem. Maybe missing David Bakhtiari really comes back to bite him at some point when they have to go against a great pass rush. That remains to be seen. Maybe their defensive line, although I with Kenny Clark and Snacks Harrison and the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary, I should be able to make something work. Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster aren't bad depth pieces either. I'm actually liking how this Packers defense is shaping up personnel-wise. Maybe their flaw is Mike Pettin, but for the last two weeks, Mike Pettin has done a pretty darn good job. So that's something to keep in mind. I want to take a break, and I want to talk about our good friend Leroy Butler, friend of the show. He's releasing his own vodka next week, and he's going to join the show next Thursday. We'll talk about that. But he's also a finalist for the Hall of Fame this year, the NFL Hall of Fame, and we'll talk about that and maybe try to make a case for old Leroy Butler coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having a wonderful night and you've managed to get through what has been a, a very eventful, very stressful day today. Very distracting day as well. Um, if any of my bosses are listening, I petition that we just wrap this week up today. What do you say? The last two weeks were uh, were holiday weeks. They were short weeks. Let's just make it three in a row. Let's go. Let's go for the gold. This is three weeks in a row. We get a short week. Does anyone disagree? I feel like I, I went through three work days today. Let's just call it. We'll take a long weekend. We'll reconvene on Monday after the after the wild card games. Who says no? Anybody? That's what I thought. Let's do that. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show, shoot me a text. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Uh, for a couple of minutes here before 5 o'clock, I want to talk about the 2021 NFL Hall of Fame class. It was announced yesterday. The Heisman was also selected last night, and I'm... I'm not going to lie. It wasn't really on my radar. It's not that I don't care about the Heisman, but I've said a lot on this show over the last couple of months that I've been a little bit disconnected from college football this year. I think a lot of people have been. It's been a very different year, and it's hard to get into college football as a whole because there's so many canceled games, and these conferences are shaped a little bit differently this year. And, and I mean, the Big Ten, they played like four games a team. So I it was a difficult year to get into college football, and I was paying attention. Last night to the Heisman ceremony, it's not like I sat down and watched it appointment TV. I was a little surprised when I saw that a wide receiver won it, Devonta Smith. That was pretty cool. Um, I was a little shocked that Trevor Lawrence didn't get it, but I guess after that performance in the college football playoff, I get maybe he didn't deserve it. I know the voting takes place before the playoff, but I guess it worked out for the best because Clemson got their butt whooped by Ohio State. Did not really pay attention to the Heisman that much. I was you know checking in on who won. That was about it. Now. Pro Football Hall of Fame class, I'm a little bit more interested in that. This is the class that we have. Jared Allen, Rondé Barber, Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, uh, Allen Faneca, Tory Holt, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Peyton Manning, Clay Matthews Sr. Well, I guess Clay Matthews Jr., but not our Clay Matthews. That would be Clay Matthews III. Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, Reggie Wayne, and Charles Woodson. I think a couple of those are are shoe-ins. Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson. I don't know. Do they put Reggie Wayne and Peyton Manning in in the same year? That would be interesting. Calvin Johnson, I think, makes a really good case. I think Leroy Butler makes a really good case, too. I think he should be in already. We've talked about this, I think, before on the show. It's probably been a while, but it's an oldie but a goodie. We'll play the hits. right? Every couple of months, we can just spend 10 minutes talking about how Leroy Butler should... Should be a Hall of Famer. And Packers fandom has spent plenty of time talking about this. I see it on Twitter all the time. 
people love writing blogs about this, doing podcasts and and that sort of thing. Like people love Leroy Butler. Packers fans love the '90s Packers and Brett Favre. Heck, he invented the Lambo leap. How could you not love that? So if Leroy Butler is going to make the Hall of Fame, I think he's got a, a couple of things working in his favor. Number one is I just said he was part of the '90s Packers. And we love the 90s Packers. That was the Far Packers, the Super Bowl decade, the MVP decade. But I do think it helps Leroy Butler's case to be attached to a legendary team or an era. Right? Like, Torrey Holt is in this class, and he was part of the greatest show on turf. And I think that helps his case have a little bit more of a brand. And I think Leroy Butler being a part of the 90s Packers with Reggie White, Gilbert Brown, and Brett Favre, and all these guys, I think it helps to be a part of a memorable team like that. And I think that boosts his resume and, and makes a little bit better case. If he played for the Packers from, like, 2002 to... I don't know, 2008? Okay, well, maybe not as much. That's not Holmgren and Gruden and Reed. Well, then then you're talking about Mike Sherman in a lot of years where the Packers underperformed. But being on that iconic team in the 90s, winning a championship, going to another, that certainly helps his case, certainly helps his cause. I think that should make a big difference. I, I also think Leroy has a great case to be made because he was great as a coverage safety and as a pass rusher. Leroy Butler finished his career with 38 interceptions and 20 and a half sacks. And you hear stories of Super Bowl 32 all the time from the Broncos. Leroy Butler was the number one concern of opposing teams. And he was the number one concern on a defense that included Reggie White. That's pretty tough to do. It is pretty tough to put a player on a defense that includes Reggie White, a a player that you're going to be concerned about. The Minister of Defense, you know, Reggie White, one of the greatest of all time. It's like, well, no, we'll deal with him, but who we really got to worry about is Leroy Butler. That's crazy. And Leroy Butler stacked up interceptions and sacks in an era where safeties really didn't rush the passer. Like, it wasn't wasn't normal. Like, in today's NFL, Jamal Adams is basically a pass rusher. Harrison Smith on third down is always rushing the quarterback on Mike Zimmer's defense. Back in the 90s, nobody asked safeties to be involved at the line of scrimmage and be rushing the passer. At least not to the tune of 20 and a half sacks. And I think Leroy's versatility and excellence in, in multiple different categories, pass rushing and in coverage, interceptions and sacks, I think that helps his Hall of Fame case as well. This might not mean as much, but he did also invent the Lambo Leap. I don't know how much that helps, but it, it can't hurt, right? If you're, the, if you're the inventor of the Lambo Leap, it can't hurt your case. Now, this is a really, really big class. There's a lot of names, and I, I read them all. I'm, I'm not going to read them again. You can go look at them, and certainly we're going to we're going to talk about him again, but it's, it's, there were, I think a hundred and I'm looking at the NFL website right now. I want to make sure I get this right. Modern era player finalists are determined by a vote of the hall selection committee from a list of 130 that was reduced to 25. So those were the names that I just read you. Like I said, Peyton Manning's going to get in. Charles Woodson should get in. Charles Woodson, maybe John Lynch. I think Terry Holt. I, why not Leroy Butler? Let's get him in there. It, it bothers me when, great players get left out of the Hall of Fame for longer than they should just because there's other great players. It's like, well, in a normal year, Leroy Butler would get in, but geez, this year, there's just so many good players. Well, who cares? If they're a good player and they're going into the Hall, why do, why do we have to wait to put them in? That's the thing with, with baseball, too. You're not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but second or third, yeah. It's like, well, what's the, what's the difference? Still a Hall of Famer. Either you're good enough to be a Hall of Famer or you're not. And if you don't get in your first year, I, I still think you should be eligible to be in again, but I... I just think sometimes we leave out people from the Hall of Fame for much longer than we should. Jerry Kramer, for example, and I think Leroy Butler's experiencing this as well. It's not Leroy Butler's fault that Peyton Manning's also going in. Charles Woodson's going to go in. Maybe Reggie Wayne. Who knows? Torrey Holt. That's not the fault of Leroy Butler. You can't hold him out because there are other great players. 
It's not how that works. That's always kind of bugged me with the Hall of Fame, not just in football, but in baseball. And everybody gets into the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, so that's that's a little bit different. We're going to get back into the Packers coming up after 5 o'clock. I guess we've been talking about the Packers, but we're specifically going to dig back into the Packers and not just Leroy Butler. I want to continue to talk about special teams. I am fascinated as to see how the Packers fix this. We talked a little bit about Adrian Amos right back before 4.30. We're actually going to hear a little bit from Adrian Amos coming up at 5.20. Some really interesting tidbits, interesting perspective and explanation about how the defense has gotten better as the year goes on and how they're limiting big plays and they're stiff in the red zone. It's been really interesting, and, and I'm excited to share that with you at 5.20. 5.30, Slow News Wednesday, uh, we got a Bucks topic. There was an expose, a tell-all uh, about the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal in The Athletic, and doesn't make the Bucks look bad. No, not at all. It makes the Kings look bad, and it makes the NBA look bad. It's a full, long conversation, not anonymous. It's not paraphrased. It is the words of Bogdan Bogdanovich, and it doesn't really seem to me like there was any tampering going on. We'll, t- we'll talk more about that, and I'll explain exactly what I'm talking about. Slow News Wednesday, one of my favorite segments of the week, because by this time in the week, typically there's nothing going on. I didn't think there would be an attempted coup of our government today. Otherwise, maybe I would have tried to tuck that in at 530. But no, we're going to we're gonna talk about NBA, the Bucks, and Bogdan Bogdanovich instead. Your texts and your thoughts, anything you want to talk about, I want to talk about. 608-796-2558. Take a quick break. Get back into the Packers coming up after 5 o'clock here on the Wisco Sports Show.